Milk in first remained a sign of social class. The 20th century English novelist Nancy Mitford employed the term myth to describe the lower classes, and the turn of phrase is still used satirically in popular media to describe the working classes or those without refined social skills. Today, the famous English tea purveyor, Fortnum and Mason, characterizes the choice as a thorny question, devoting an entire essay on its website to how to drink tea. How did such a prosaic choice of action, so subtle and ostensibly innocuous, become an amplified sign of class? Throughout time, matters of seeming practicality have evolved into symbols of status. In Victorian England, the displaying of medicines in the parlor was a sign that one could afford to see a doctor and buy medicine. In pre-revolutionary Paris, the use of candles was rare and expensive, yet even when access to light, and later electricity, became more democratized, the lighting of candles at dinner time remained a sign of taste and breeding. The same is true for the use of cloth napkins when paper napkins would do, and eliminate the hassle of laundering. Everything we do has social meaning. Our childhood, family life, income bracket, and concurrent social circles teach us how to go about our lives and interact with the world in big and small ways. Through both behaviors and material goods, we disclose our socioeconomic position, whether we like it or not. As the famous sociologist Pierre Bordeaux observed in his book, Distinction, status emerges from prosaic cultural forms and signs, and most fundamentally, from how we live. Status has always consumed us. This observation has been made by many before me, and perhaps best by the great British anthropologist Dame Mary Douglas, and more recently by Daniel Miller in his book, Consumption and Its Consequences. Often the things we acquire and how we use them demonstrate this status to the world. There are obvious big-ticket items, large homes in the right zip codes, sports cars, fine china, and expensive watches. Yet, even manners convey a certain upbringing or way of life. Sending handwritten notes rather than email, the way we place our utensils upon finishing a meal, having fresh flowers delivered to our beloved, and so forth. Almost all of these behaviors suggest social position and rely on the use of visible goods and the skills for how to employ them in a particular way. Or, as Douglas observed in her book, The World of Goods, the goods are both the hardware and the software, so to speak, of an information system. Goods that minister to physical needs, food and drink, are no less carriers of meaning than ballet or poetry. Similarly, our consumption of goods for status should not be taken lightly or merely as superficial posturing. Consumption is a part of how we define ourselves as individuals and vis-a-vis -vis social groups, as members and outsiders, and sometimes both at the same time. We need to see our consumption of goods as an intricate part of humanity's social system. Just as our work or family structure cultivates who we are, so does what we buy and the norms of behavior we learn. We must see consumption as appropriated to signal things much deeper than what is simply visible. The Theory of the Leisure Class 
Perhaps no one captured and articulated the social significance of consumption better than the social critic and economist Thorstein Veblen. Written in the late 1800s, Veblen's polemic treatise, The Theory of the Leisure Class, is the defining text that precisely expresses the relationship between material goods and status. At the peak of the Gilded Age and in the wake of the triumphs of the Industrial Revolution, Veblen's work was very much a sign of the times he lived in. He became a leading thinker and popular critic during the Progressive Era, deriding profits and the consumption and wastefulness that came along with the wealth of capitalism. Veblen is most famous for his concept of conspicuous consumption, the use of particular goods through which status is revealed. Veblen directed most of his critique toward the leisure class, a wealthy and idle group who vainly and incessantly demonstrated their social and economic position.